1 Corinthians chapter 16. We might have to look in another place or two as well, however the Lord would lead. As we, as you're turning, many of these letters, these epistles written by Paul the Apostle, and he didn't write them all by hand, but he spoke them and he had other men to write these as he spoke. Some scholars would say maybe he had a problem with his eyes, whatever the cause was. He didn't write all of these with his hand. But at the end of those that somebody else wrote, he would pen a salutation and he would sign it, that it would be known that it was an authentic letter from Paul. So in, in this chapter, if you'll look down to verse 21, the salutation of me, Paul, with my own hand. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema maranatha. That's all we'll read. So those words, that, those are untranslated. That's the original language that this was pinned down in. And perhaps because of the weight of those words, that word anathema, a thing devoted for destruction with no hope of redemption. In Leviticus, I believe you can see this word, Leviticus chapter 27, verse number 28, notwithstanding no devoted thing that a man shall devote unto the Lord of all that he hath, both of man and beast and of the field of his possession, shall be sold or redeemed. Every devoted thing is most holy unto the Lord. None devoted which shall be devoted of men shall be redeemed, but shall surely be put to death. So this is a devotion in a picture of that that's set aside to be offered unto God. And God says that that you set aside, that that you offer to me, you can't redeem that. It's mine now. Well, Paul says here, if any man love not the Lord Jesus, let him be. Let that man that loves not the Lord Jesus be devoted for destruction and anathema means when the Lord shall come. So that's, that's weighty, ain't it? We're living in a day today where everybody's going to go to heaven. Everybody's going to be saved. Everything's going to be all right in the end. Every funeral, everybody's been saved and they was a member of such and such church. Is that the truth? I mean, will, will the Bible support and back that up? I'm afraid we're covered up with tradition. And what you'll find most of the time is that God has been taken out of the place of authority, of power, and of control, and man has been put in his place. Maybe that sounds silly tonight, but you think about how people think today. It's not up to God. God's sitting in heaven waiting on me and you to do, and then God will do. Now, do you reckon that Almighty God that spoke the world into existence is waiting on me to do something before He works? I don't believe that's the case. So He says here, if any man love, I want to think about what loving the Lord Jesus Christ looks like. It can be said with the lips. We can all say it. It can be easily said. 
It can be flippantly said with no thought and no weight to it whatsoever. And that's went on from way back in the Old Testament. Isaiah said the words and the Lord Jesus quoted it in His day. believe it's still very applicable today that men have drawn near to Him with their lips but in their hearts far from Him. It's a show of love. It's speaking it. But for there to be any love down in the heart, that love's not there. Well, friends, that's where God looks and is searching. So we know this then by the Scripture in 1 John. Now, you don't have to turn to every place. It's there. You can write it down. You can look it up when you get home. You can turn and read it with us. What I'm going to tell you straight out of the Word of God. That in order to love God, in 1 John chapter number 4, verse number 19, we love Him because He first loved us. So then by the Word of God then, there cannot be any love for God, there cannot be any love for the Savior, except God first loved us. This is not in man. It's not in man to love God or to love the Savior. Naturally, man is born in sin and he's born inclined to leave God. That is his nature. And you know, you leave man to himself. We've got a picture and an example of it in children. You let your children go their way and they're going to wind up way off in left field without some instruction, without some discipline, and without guidance. Well, friends, mankind as a whole is the exact same way. If man was let go, he would never love God. He would never think of God. He would never turn to God. He would never seek after God. No, I'll tell you where man's love is. Man's love's in himself. Man's love is in promoting himself. How good that he is. And the pleasure of the flesh. Man's will is to lift himself up. But God Almighty, God first loved man. You know, you can go back to the cross. The Word of God says... In Romans chapter number 5, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Did man have any part in this plan of Almighty God? I mean, you know, it could be said, well, the Romans and the Jews, they come together, they had Him to be killed. But Peter, the chiefest of the apostles at the time, he said it was by the predeterminate counsel and foreknowledge of God that the Lord Jesus Christ was delivered and crucified. Do you know why that was? Because God was putting on display that what uh, the word commendeth means. It's like a museum exhibit that we go to look at and see. God put His love on display for all of mankind to see in that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. When we were without strength, and when the God's truth, we didn't love God. We didn't care for God. We wasn't seeking God. Man wasn't desiring God. And the very few now, you think it's almost Christmas. You all know the Christmas story very well. You know the ones that come to Jesus when He was born? Those that God revealed Him to. Some wise men that he revealed him to. Some shepherds that the angels spoke to. A man named Simeon. We see him in the temple that the Spirit of God had revealed that he wasn't going to die until the Lord came. You know who's been following God the whole time? Those that God's enlightened. 
and those that God's drew, and those that God's kept. But mankind has never been in a place that he was desiring God. God loved man first. And God sent His Son for the purpose of dying. That His life and His blood would be given. Now why would the Son of God have to die? Because we were sinners. When we were yet sinners, in rebellion towards God, breakers and violators of God's divine law and of God's righteousness, we were guilty. And friends, it's not like it is in our world today. God is perfect. He's holy, He's just, and He's righteous. And every transgression of the law and every disobedience must receive its appropriate recompense of reward. It's all going to have to be paid for. God just can't say, well, I like these people and I'm going to let their sin slide by. Nay, God's perfect and righteous and sin had to be paid for. So God, in His plan of redemption, sent His Son to die that the sin of man could be laid upon Him and it could be paid for. The law was met. The righteousness of the law was met. The penalty for the sin of man was paid all by the hand of God. Man had no part in that whatsoever. That was God working to bring salvation and a means of salvation for man. So now you think, thank you. Now you think now, without that, would there be any hope? We heard Jonathan sung, Frank sung, the cross, the blood. You know what that is? That's the hope of man. And outside of God's now, God's intervention in spite of man, outside of God's intervention by sending His Son, we'd have no means or opportunity to be saved. Man thinks today he's making his own way, that he can save himself, that he can do it himself. And at the very beginning of the way of salvation, if it was not for God intervening in the affairs of man, there would have been no hope for every one of us. But our sins and the penalty for our sins would be required of us and we could not pay the debt that we had made before God. So when we were sinners, Christ died. But boy, it gets more personal than that. I don't know about you, if you're saved. Christ had died well before I was born. But you know, I was still born and I didn't love God then. I was born after Jesus had been given after the sacrifice had been made, after His blood had been shed. And the truth now, that didn't change me. I was still born a sinner. I was born a rebeller. I was born a violator and a transgressor of the law. You know, the love of God and salvation, it gets a whole lot closer than just Jesus dying on the cross 2,000 years ago. There was God's love on display for the whole world. But in Ephesians chapter number 2, in the first three verses, you know what you're going to find? You're going to find while we were yet sinners, you're going to find the condition that mankind is in on his own. You're going to find a man that is dead 
in trespasses and sins, walking according to the course of this world. I tell you, you can look down at folks if you want to, but you know the way the world's going the way man's nature is. That's the way we're naturally inclined to go. Man is naturally inclined unto evil. But, verse number 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us. Now, what did I do here? Well, preacher, you've got to love God. Boy, I never loved God. I, I ne- and you know, that, that never changed. I never did love God. I never did want to be saved. I never did want to be changed until God did something for me. You know who started the love affair? You know who first showed love? It was God that showed love. It doesn't say but Joseph, but the church... But Paul the Apostle decided he wanted to follow Jesus. No, God began to show mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us even when we were dead in sins. Now there I am, dead in sins. What did He do? Well, the Bible says He quickened us together with Christ. By grace, you're saved. So as we're dead... In sins, God comes by while I'm in that state and quickens me. That word means to be made alive. Now, friends, without making alive, what can a dead man do? There's nothing that a dead man is able to do. But the power of God comes by and quickens that inward man that's dead by the power of the Spirit and by the Word of God. And now now picture this now. I, I'd like for us all to be able to see this. When does that happen? Did that happen after we come to the altar? Well, I come down and I begin to pray and then God quickened me. I, I don't believe that. I don't believe that for a minute. You know when I got quickened, I can tell you for me, I growed up in church, I growed up under the gospel and there was one day I was on the baseball field as a young man and somebody come up to me and said, Joseph, have you ever been saved? And now the God's truth, I've been asked that before. And I'd always say, why, yeah, I'm just fine the way I am. But that day, those words, by the quickening of the Spirit, God awoke me that day and let me see that I was lost. You know when He did that? Not after I got saved. Not after I come to the altar. Not after I moved. God did that when I was yet a sinner. But God, not and God, God's not cooperating with what I'm doing. It was when I was in sin, God intervened in spite of me. That's the Bible. But God who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ. You know how this is possible by the sacrifice of Jesus. Without the blood, there's no quickening. There's no making alive. And there's no coming out of sin. 
Make no mistake now, God's purpose in sending Jesus was for this salvation to reach man. But it's not just whatever man thinks. And well, I decided years ago, this is a work that God initiates and that God begins and that God calls and that God draws. And friends, when God draws a man to the altar, He'll get up a new creature. If any man love not, how do we love him? Well, he loved us first. He gave his son to make a way for us to be saved. Shed his blood on the cross of Calvary. He came to us by the gospel and by the Spirit and quickened our inward man, allowed us to see our condition. And you know where that Spirit led me? Friends, it didn't lead me out in the world. I didn't begin to think, well, I need to do this now. I tell you where I wanted to be when God began to work was I need to be down at the church house where God can help me. I've got no hope outside of the power of God. So the Bible says, by grace... You are saved. What what is grace? Is grace from man? We sing, and I bet you all know it by heart. Amazing grace. Where is amazing grace? Where does that originate? And where does that come from? (coughs) That amazing grace is from God. And it's by that grace... That's from God that man is saved. Outside of grace, outside of the Spirit, outside of God drawing, there can be no work done. Coming to the altar, being baptized, joining the church, saying it with the lips, none of that is what salvation really is. Friends, the Word of God has been taken and stripped down of all authority and salvation has been dumbed down to a ritual and a ceremony. We're talking about something that originated in heaven that God works by the Spirit and by the Word of God. The Word of God that brought the world into existence. The Word of God that when there was without form and void and darkness covered the face of the deep, the Word of God that brought light So, and hath raised us up. So He's brought me And He's raised me up. I didn't stand myself up. I didn't pull myself up by the bootstraps. I didn't make a change and decide I needed to do better. You know, all of that's well and good. Man man ought to do better. But my God, that don't save me. This is God. God has convicted. God has drew. God has saved. 
And now God is raising up afterwards. This is a work that continues on. You know that? It's not a one-time thing in an altar and it's forgot about the next night or the next week or the next year. It's not like marriage is looked at today. We can just end it and start all over again. This salvation God starts and God will see it through to the very end by the presence and quickening power of the Spirit of God in the heart of the believer. Amen. That in the ages to come, boy, it's more than here and now, ain't it? Oh, preacher, we're going to glorify Him in heaven. I'll tell you who's going to glorify Him in heaven, them that love God today. Because the Word of God says, if they don't love God, Let them be devoted for destruction. Oh, man wants to draw back from that. That's all right. We'll get to it and we'll look at it and we'll see it now. A work of God in the heart. That in the ages to come, He might shew. Now what's God going to show in the time to come? Boy, He's going to show how good a people we are. He's going to let the world know how good that Joseph was because he believed when everybody else wouldn't believe. You know that don't sound right. That's what people think. God's going to show my goodness. He's going to show off my faith. But the Bible says what He's going to show is the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us Through Jesus Christ. You know what's going to be exalted? The loving kindness and the compassion and the forgiving nature of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the church is going to reveal. I tell you what Paul said in Corinthians. He said there's some revilers. There's some that's effeminate. Some that are drunkards. Some that are sinners and wicked. And such for some of you. You've been lost. You know what they showed? They showed the exceeding riches of the grace of God in bringing salvation to wicked people. Amen. To God be the glory. For by grace are you saved. Through faith. Oh, now see. Now, preacher, you've got to have faith or grace won't work. That's what man thinks. But man's got it backwards. Listen and see if it ain't so. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So where does faith come from? Well, preacher, all you got to do is believe. If you'll just believe, and if you'll just call, well, that's good enough. You can be saved then. Well, you know, I believe James combated that in his day. I believe there was a pile of people in the church where the Apostle James was affiliated and I believe they proclaimed and they professed to know the Lord Jesus, but in works they denied Him. You know what James said? 
James said, you believe there's one God? The devils believe that. The devil believes that there's one God. The devil confesses that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The devil confesses that He's the Savior of the world. The devil knows He's got power. The devil knows He's got authority. And the devil is saved. Is He? So I believe there's one God. What good's that do me? My God, ain't the mind of man. Ain't it clouded? by the very deceitfulness of Satan that man believes he's got it in his power. It's what I've done that makes me saved. Well, that's what man thinks. That faith is not of yourselves. You know where that came from? The convincing and convicting power of the Holy Spirit of God. That faith was not present before God passed by with His grace. Now think, if you're saved, did you believe to the salvation of the soul before God came by? When God came by, I began to think and believe different than I had my whole life. God gave me that. That was a gift. Now if something's a gift, a gratuity, it's something given, unmerited, unwarranted. You see, if I'd done something now that deserved the gift of grace, then it couldn't be a gift, could it? You know, I could write Michael a check for $100 and say, here's a gift for you, Michael. Merry Christmas. But if Michael come and worked three or four hours for me and I wrote him a check for $100, it wouldn't be the same, would it? It wouldn't be a gift. It would be payment for work that he's done. God doesn't say I'm paying you with faith because of something you've done. God says when you were a sinner, I came to you by my grace. I delivered your faith unto you and saved you from your sins. This is not a new revelation. This is what the book says. The problem is man's not heard it. It's not been preached. And it's not been stood on as it ought to be. God's taken out of authority and man's in authority. Man's making the decisions. Man's doing the deciding. Man's doing the choosing. And God is just at the mercy of man. That is what people believe and promote and preach and teach. I'm telling you, that goes against every thread of the Word of God that there is. He is in control. He was born Jesus the Lord and He's never left the seat of authority. Man's devoted to Him. He's not devoted to man. Jesus said, the Sabbath was given for men and not men for the Sabbath. God don't need me. The Sabbath didn't need the Jews. 
But God gave that to them for their good. I tell you, God didn't need me. God's God no matter what I do. But God gave His Son for my redemption and for my salvation that I could glorify Him and His mercy. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Now in case there was any question, in the next verse, the Bible says, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know what's going to happen now? If, well, Joseph, you need to do this, and you can be saved. And I do that and get saved because I did something. Then this fella down the road that didn't do that right, like I did, I can boast over him. I can say, well, I did it, and they didn't. That's the way, that's the way man thinks today. Man thinks that, well, I'm better than the rest of the community because I've believed and they didn't. As if it was something that was within them that they earned that they did, that they performed with their own hands. I tell you, God said that it's not of works, it's not of something that I do, lest I should boast in that. I'm telling you, you've heard it. You've heard it no telling how many times in your life. I'm glad I believed. You know what that is? That's boasting. In my belief. And in what I've done. I'll tell you the, the God's truth now. In them that are saved, they believed because God loved them first. They love God today because God loved them. Not of works, lest any man should boast. We could look in a pile of places to back all this up, but we don't have time to look everywhere. But you can look where I look and you can see it. In Ephesians still now. This is still Ephesians chapter 2. We're down at verse 10. For we are His workmanship. Now that word, it's in the idea of a proprietor. A man that's founded a business. And you know what this business is doing? It's producing something. Now as an example, if I started a business and I was producing guitars... I would be the proprietor. I'm the one that paid the money. I'm the one that gave the capital. I'm the one that took the risk. And what I'm producing is a guitar that the public might take and purchase for themselves. It's got my name on it. Like the Lord's a proprietor. He bore all the cost through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the Word of God, the Spirit, every bit of it was bought and paid for by Him. And he's in the business of producing. Now what's he producing? Well, we're his product. Who's we? It's these people that are saved. These people that he shed his love upon. It's not just a one-time profession. This is a work of God that changes a man. So when a man comes to God genuinely and, and is saved, Truly born again, what's produced? We are His workmanship, His product, created. That word means fabricated. Boy, I tell you what's going to happen. God's going to fabricate something brand new. God's going to take 
the filth and the ungodly and the wicked and the sinner and he's going to fabricate something brand new out of them. You could call it a new birth. You can call it a new creature. It's all words for the same work of God. It's God making something new out of the life of a sinner. We're His product, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. I I believe we all know it. Jesus said, if a man love me, he will Keep my commandments. Who, boy, that's ways. It ain't just saying it. You know what he said to all seven churches in the first three chapters of Revelation? He didn't say, I know your heart. That's what man wants to say today. God said, I know your works. You know what the works were doing? They were proving whether there was a work of God ever performed in the heart or not. Well, preacher, I believe, and you don't know my heart, and you don't know where I'm at, you don't know what I face, I may not know any of that, but I know this by the Word of God, them that are saved, God fabricates a new creature out of them, and they will, out of the depths of their heart, love and serve God by the leadership of the Spirit. This flip-flop in and out, back and forth, up and down, that's not a work of God. People are deceived. They're lost. They're missing a work of God. I'll tell you, a product of God. You know what all these products have? This one's got it. This is a product. It that. This shirt, it's got a stamp in the back of it. My pants, my van out there. Everything's got a stamp identifying where it came from. You know that God's got a stamp. You know that God's got a means to identify them and God's not making clothes. He's not making church pews. He's making people that are saved and born again. He's making sons of God what His stamp is. He puts His seal of the Spirit on them that are His. And folks, them without the Spirit of God, they don't belong to God. Created in Christ Jesus, God has fabricated somebody that is going to serve and live for Him not by their determination. God says in Ezekiel chapter number 36, I'm going to remove the stony heart. I'm going to put a stony, I'm going to put a heart of flesh within them. I'm going to put my spirit within them. And I'm going to, you may not know that word, but that word is cause. God says, I'm going to put my, okay. Let's turn there. I want you to know it. I want you in your heart to know it. Ezekiel chapter number 36, verse number 27. I'll give you a second to turn there if you want to turn there. Ezekiel 36, 
And verse number 27. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. So who's producing this work in this people? Well, I mean, once you get saved, you can keep it if you want to. You might could sin out of it. You might could lose it. That ain't the Word of God. I'm telling you by the book, them that genuinely are saved and are regenerated, God says, I'll put my Spirit within them and I'll cause them to keep my Word. I'll cause them to love me. I'll cause them to follow me all the days of their life. Now that's the book. There's a lot fewer people saved than what you think there are. Everybody that says, Lord, Lord, is not going to enter into the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus said. That's not my words. Jesus said those words. So we're His workmanship. So one more time now. And I realize we're, we're, we're real long. And I, I promise that I did not intend to be this long. But in John, John chapter number 14, and we'll hurry very quickly. But boy, I'd like for you to I'd like for you to know this. I'd like for you to know this in your heart. Verse number 23. If a man love me. Boy, that sounds like where we started in Corinthians, don't it? If any man love not. Well, Jesus says here of his own words: if a man love me, he will keep my words. And my father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with Him. Over and over again. It sounds like the same thing everywhere we look, don't it? It sounds like God producing a change in the lives of sinners. God moving into that sinner by the Spirit and a new creature is made by that. Now know this, when you read in 1 Corinthians... Chapter number 16. When you read those words, if any man love not, if any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, what he is talking about is somebody that is missing the divine work of God in the heart, somebody that has not been fabricated into a new creature, somebody that the stamp of God is not on their life somebody that God has never performed a work in. So far deeper than, well, I love Jesus. Boy, that's cheaply said, ain't it? Cheaply said. No cost to say it with these. That ain't what he's talking about here. If any man love not the Lord Jesus, let him be anathema maranatha. Let him be devoted to destruction when the Lord Jesus comes. What's going to be the end of these people that are missing the work of God? Well, everybody's going to go to heaven. Well, some people's going to get less of a reward. Some people's going to get a little less property. They're going to get one less star in their crown in heaven. 
There's so many foolish doctrines that are not supported by the Scripture. I'll tell you what the Word of God says. If they do not love the Lord Jesus out of the depths of their soul as a result of the work of God in their heart, if they do not, they are devoted to the destruction of the judgment and wrath of God. Boy, hell ain't believed in either anymore. But we got Scripture for that as well. And we'll hurry along in Mark chapter 3. See, folks think today, and it's promoted, God's just going to forgive right on. Just go on and enjoy, and God will forgive always. The Bible says in Mark 3, verse number 28, Verily I say unto you, All sin shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blasphemies wherewith they shall blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. Is God always forgiving? Not here. Boy, there's a sin that can never be forgiven. There's a sin in 1 John chapter 5 that He says not to even pray for. There is a sin unto death. I say not whether to pray for it. And God told Jeremiah over in his book, don't pray for this people. They're gone. I'll tell you what they were. They were devoted unto God for destruction. Friends, if the blood of Jesus Christ and the gospel of the Son of God and the power of the Spirit is the only hope for man to be saved, then man that will not come to the gospel, man that will not be saved by the blood of Jesus, man that is not regenerated, has only got one thing. One thing to look forward to. Eternal damnation. Not to be proclaimed at the end. I tell you, it's proclaimed right now. If you don't love the Lord Jesus right now, where are you going? Tell you what he says in 2 Peter. Reserved under fire. This is what he says. Now, in Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter number 1, and to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. What kind of rest is that? I'll tell you, for them that know not God, for them that love not the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord's coming. And if you'll look on down in verse 10, we won't go that far. But if you'll look in verse 10, there's a people that's going to glory. There's a people that's going to shout. There's a people that's going to rejoice at the coming of the Lord Jesus. Why, preacher, that's two different days. Show me that right here. Show me that in this Scripture. No, He's coming. And i tell you what He's going to do. In the day that He's going to be glorified, and those that He's saints, those that He's saved, He's going to return with flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that have rejected the call of God who shall be punished with everlasting destruction. It may be. I tell you the God's truth. I may be the biggest nut 
And this may be the biggest waste of your time and your mind and in your opinion. The gospel may be a waste today. It may look like a waste of life. But friends, the day of judgment is coming. The day that God's going to return in flaming fire and in vengeance and man is going to cry for the rocks and hills to fall on him that we would not have to look at the face of this man, Jesus Christ. In judgment, in wrath, and in vengeance. Revelation 21 verse 8. But the fearful, and unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. There's a word in there that I never noticed till I was studying for this night. Shall have their part. There's a place for each individual that will not come to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what it is? It's reserved for them. You know what the Bible says about Judas? Ah, oh, preacher. Ah, oh, preacher. You know what the Bible says about Judas? He went out and hanged himself and he went to his place. It's what the book says about Judas. He had a place. Well, I'll tell you this. Those... And you know, you can get hung up in murderers and sorcerers and whoremongers. Well, I'll tell you the first two is the fearful, the timid, and the unbelieving. Those that have not put their trust in the Savior that God gave for the salvation of their soul, those that have not come to the Gospel, they've got a place reserved for them in the judgment and in the wrath of God. It's sure. It's certain. And Paul said, if any man love not the Lord Jesus, let him be anathema. Maranatha. There's no hope for them that are outside of the saving grace, the regenerating work of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've not been made a new creature by the operation of the Word of God and the Spirit in your individual heart, you're anathema. That's all that's on our heart. Would you want to come close?